Aren't you glad Calvary covers it all, amen? I tell you what, not one of us, not one of us would even come close to reaching that heaven without the precious shed blood of Christ and the broken body of our Lord. We thank him so much for his sacrifice on Calvary on our behalf. Well, tonight we are blessed uh, and certainly excited to have Joy with us as well, Joy Clemens. Why don't you come on up, Joy, and sing for us? And uh, again, uh, it takes a team. When I say that, I'm talking about a husband and wife. There's not one man that can stand in a pulpit, preach, and proclaim the Word of God and do it effectively without a good wife behind him and a good wife beside him. And boy, I'll tell you what, Joy has been a blessing, I can tell, and she's just been an encouragement. I know when they went down to Crown, just a few weeks after they'd been here with us, my son was down at Crown, and uh, we told them about my son, 
and um, uh, she was, I think, in front or behind. I can't remember which. But all of a sudden, she said, "Are you Caleb? Are you Caleb?" <laughs> they described you to me, and I, you're, are you? And he said, "Yeah, that's me. How do you know me? You know, <laughs> I mean, he expects all the ladies to know him, but, but, uh, nonetheless, nonetheless." Um, he, he was amazed, and, you know, we really appreciated that. That meant a lot to us that they would even take the time to remember him and then go down there. I mean, he, he's nobody to them, but you know what? They made sure he felt that way, and we certainly appreciate that. Well, anyway, she's going to sing for us, and I know she'll be a blessing to us. Powerful song, amen. What a message, amen. Well, we're sure glad we're redeemed, amen. Well, I tell you, I don't mean to interrupt the service here a little bit, but I do want to tell you that if you enjoyed that, she does have some CDs back there on the table. They're ten dollars, and you say, "Oh, you got a little sales pitch." No, listen, they're traveling, they're going around the country. If you can help them out, I don't know if I don't know about you, but that sounds like something I might want to listen to again. And uh, we want to, they just make it available. They've not said one thing about it. I decided to do that because I want you to know that they're out there, okay? So if you would, if you want to go by, you're interested in that, pick it up. That's all. If you're not, walk right on by and say hello. We love you. Appreciate you. And head on out the door. 
That's okay. It's up to you. But they're there if you'd like them. I know that's good stuff. Thank you very much, Joy. Well, again, we're so pleased, so, so honored to have with us Dr. Wendell Runyon, again, uh, the president of IBOM, doing a great job, just uh, loves the Lord, loves people, loves souls, and uh, I tell you what, it's evident in his life. It's been a blessing for me and my family, and uh, some of you others have had the opportunity as well to spend a little time with him, just a little bit, and he's certainly been an encouragement and a blessing to us. Brother, why don't you come preach for us, amen? We certainly look forward to it. Well, amen. I'll tell you what, a lot of voice coming out of that little lady, isn't it? <laughs> very, very good. You know who you remind me of singing? Ruth Sturgill. You know Ruth Sturgill? Very well. Yes, and you know the pages? It, that's my, Angie's my daughter. So, uh, yeah, my daughter and her husband and three boys go to church there and uh, Bradley the oldest one went to Crown College so uh, you know things just keep coming back just cast your bread <laughs> keeps coming back brother Pete you didn't throw your bread back at me you ate it <laughs> I figured you did, and uh, <laughs> amen. Well, uh, I want to say tonight, I'm very, I have very j much joy tonight. Uh, we have in our presence Jamie, hold your hand up there, Jamie, and her father, Tom, and the Kavanaugh's and I went out to Bob Evans last night, and she was our waitress, and now she's our sister. <laughs> she got saved last night right there in the restaurant. Amen. Thank you for coming, both of you. It's a real blessing that you're here. She just pulled up a chair and sat down and said, I guess you better tell me. <laughs> and so, uh, praise the Lord. We are so thankful. Uh, and it's so exciting to see them come to the church uh, tonight and be here. And uh, sweet young lady and just uh, uh, was so ready ready for the Lord to save her. All right, tonight, um, I want to sort of follow up on the night before last sermon, we're casting your bread upon the water, and we talked about it, it you know, it'll return, and uh, tonight, I want to preach to you about the judgment seat of Christ, and whatever bread, bread you cast upon the water, and you remember, we talked about uh, bread that, uh, you know, we used to call money bread. Called it moolah, uh, you know, a whole lot of cabbage, a whole lot of other names, but one of the names was gay bread. And we weren't talking about what Pete would want. We were talking about <laughs> money. And, uh, but uh, if you cast your money into these missions, uh, into the mission envelopes, and take part in this faith promise, it's going to return to you at the judgment seat of Christ. What you do for Christ, most of it you will never see the fruit. Now, I'm old enough till I'm beginning. See, there's, in, in, in John chapter 15, there's four kinds of fruit. There's much fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And there's fruit that remains. And I'm old enough now till I 
have told you this week about a lot of the fruit that I see that remains in my life. And even as I pastored for 21 years, I can go into that church and I see most of the people there, a lot of people there, I led to the Lord. They're still in the ministry and I'm now watching the fruit that remains. And that's, there's a lot of joys in old age that you don't have in your younger years. Uh, there's uh, just much joy in the senior part of your life. And uh, I love it. I love every bit of it. But tonight, if you'll turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible says there, and as and the first sermon I ever preached on the street was out of that verse right there. And I got up on the top of a, a truck had a, in Bible college. They had a truck and had a platform up on top of it. And you climb up on it. It was a van. You climb up there, and I, and I was so nervous that, I mean, man, I mean, you're talking about I was Bill Shazer. My knees were smoting one against the other. And I got up, and I tried to uh, read or quote that verse on that truck. And that's hard to say, and as it is. That's hard. It don't flow. And I got up there and I said, and as an and as an and as an and and an and 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 I just finally said, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Now that's that. You know, people say, well, uh, there's uh, you know, there's two things you're going to do. You're going to pay taxes and die. Well, there's a whole lot of people don't pay taxes. And a whole lot of people never will pay taxes. But there's not a whole lot of people that's not going to die. In fact, I haven't met him. I haven't met her. Every person in this room is going to die. And Brother Pete and I are thinking about it a lot more than you are tonight. Yeah. Right, Brother Pete? Yeah. I mean, we're up there. And we know that, hey, I mean, my wife was talking the other night and said, she said, you know, if you live to be 80, that's just seven more years. <laughs> I said, you don't have to remind me. <laughs> I already know it <laughs> for, for sure. I, I go to bed thinking about it, and I get up thinking about it, and it's, uh, it's just a reality in my life that it's, uh, hey, the end is near. And you know what? I'm not complaining. I'm happy. I, if my... I, I just uh, had an interview on the radio a while ago, uh, not here in Akron, but I was on my cell phone with a conference call with a fellow down home, and it's uh, the Primitive Quartet, and they're just great, great guys. They love the Lord. They're busy in their church and serving God. Just a bunch of good guys. And their tenor singer was bear hunting a week ago Monday, and he was in the mountains, and uh, they got on a bear, and I... I didn't know this, but he started telling me about all these electronic things they hunt bears with now. They got GPSs, <laughs> bear hunting. And uh, uh, he said they'd, they'd, they'd got on a bear and said they'd go in groups of four, and there was four groups of them. He said that uh, they, they just uh, punch in their GPS right where the fellows are, and they just go right to them. Under the, they were there waiting under a tree. You look like you've bear hunted before. Is that right, brother? <laughs> And, uh, uh, but I didn't know all of that. But you know what? He was 70 years old, never had any problem whatsoever. And uh, he was running through the mountains and very healthy, dropped dead, bam, 
right in the mountains. Took 16 men three hours to carry him out of those woods. You see, we don't know. We're going to die. Everybody here is going to die. We don't know whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in five minutes, or whether not. I was in a church not long ago, and a, a man just fell over dead right there in the church. And heard this boom, boom, bang, bang, bang over there in the pew, and he was laying back there dead. We don't know that. I mean, it's going to happen to all of us. It's appointed unto men once to die, for sure. And, you know, Laura Ed Lynn said it best. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> and I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily wanting to die. No, but I'm ready to go to heaven. And I, that wouldn't be too bad. But he says, it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, what? The judgment. Well, there's many Christian people think, well, I'm not going to face the judgment. I'm saved. I don't have to face a judgment. Well, when we look in our Bible and we look from cover to cover in our Bible and we study it, we find out in the Bible there are seven different judgments in the Bible. But I'm just going to talk about two of them tonight. And the first judgment I'm going to talk about is, of course, turn over to Revelation chapter 20. This is the judgment of the lost. And every lost man is going to be judged. I'm going to... Uh, separate the two judgments tonight so that you'll understand what, what God is going to do with us at the judgment. In verse 11 of Revelation chapter 20, the Word of God says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was, uh, there was found no place for them. Well, I can take you over to 2 Peter 3 and show you where that happens. All of creation will pass away with the great noise. You know, people talk about the Big Bang Theory. I believe it. I really do. I believe the Big Bang Theory is truth. I believe in creation, the Big Bang Theory. You know, God spoke and there it was. And I'm sure that it made a pretty big bang when there it was. So the Big Bang Theory is truth. He spoke it into existence, and I believe when something appeared out of nothing, there had to be a Big Bang. And it was like bang, 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 as the planets appeared. I believe that. And uh, I don't believe in Big Bang Theory as these uh, non-creationists believe, but I, I believe that. I believe that in 2 Peter 3 it says, The elements shall pass away with a fervent heat, with a great noise. So it came with a bang, it's going away with a bang. All of a sudden, when Christ comes for the judgment seat of Christ, or the great white throne judgment, now, this is not until the end of the thousand-year millennial reign. Jesus Christ is going to come to this earth and rule and reign for a thousand years. Of course, uh, most denominations do not believe that. But the thousand-year, we're, we're pre-millennialists. The millennial, and when we talk about millennial, we're talking about the thousand, mil annum, a thousand years. And so there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ upon this earth. Uh, but before that, we're pre-trib rapturers. We believe the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation. We believe the tribulation is going to take place before the kingdom is set up by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
at the end of the tribulation. And, and you know, we, uh, people, people are always looking over there in the book of Zechariah and Ezekiel 38 and talking about the Third World War, and they're scared to death about the Third World War. But in the study of the book of Ezekiel, I, I have concluded that I believe that the Third World War is going to be the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, and Jesus Christ is going to come back at the end of that three and a half years and put an end to World War III at Armageddon. It will all consummate right there. That's not my subject tonight. But when that happens, Jesus Christ is going to set up a thousand-year reign at the end of that thousand-year reign, this Bible says, there Jesus Christ from whom the earth fled away. So I don't have time for that tonight, but in 2 Peter 3, you will see where that flees away. The creation will flee away. I believe from the description of all that, the great white throne will be suspended in space, all the dead will rise, and he says they'll be without cover, and they're going to be suspended before him and judged, and cast into the lake of fire if they're lost. So, you know, we, we, we realize all that. But this judgment, every person that's unsaved will appear before the great white throne judgment. Now guess what? Everybody that's saved will be at the great white throne judgment. The only thing is they'll be there and we'll be here with Christ we'll be watching and did you ever think about this you're going to see people that you pass by and never said a word about Christ and you pass by you work beside them for years you never said a word and you're going to see them cast into the lake of fire I thank God that that when I see Jamie she's not going to be there she's going to be with us but if we, if we would have sat there and not said a word to her last night, and, and she was really ready, she was really ready. And, and the thing about it, if I hadn't said a word, you know what? I would have looked at her. And you know, there's no evidence of tears being wiped away until after this judgment. Huh? Are you getting this? Does that challenge you? That, hey, hey if, you don't, hey, if you don't take part in the missions program of your church, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. I can take you today to Africa. I can take you to, to Kenya, Uganda, to Egypt, to Lebanon, to the Philippines and Mexico and show you, I can show you faces that will never stand at the judgment seat of Christ just because you helped me. One of these days you'll see faces in England. Faces that never will stand at the great white throne lost because you have this missionary. Are you getting this? Hey, every man's going to face a judgment. It doesn't make any difference who you are. It doesn't make any difference if you're saved, if you're lost. Now look at this judgment. He says in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. So there's two books there. I believe that every man living is going to be judged out of this book right here. I believe that. I believe you're going to be accountable 
for what you did about what this book says. Boy, that's frightening. That is frightening. That you're going to be accountable for what this book says. What did you do with what this book says? And hey, if you never read it, you don't know what it says, but you're still going to be accountable because God gave it to you and you didn't read it. So you're going to be accountable when it says that, that go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You're accountable for that whether you like it or whether you don't. You're going to stand before a judgment and you're going to be accountable for that verse right there. That's a command. That is not a suggestion. The world wants 10 suggestions today. The Bible don't give us 10 suggestions. It gives us 10 commandments. And they're not suggestions. And that is not a suggestion. There's only two ways. You have, you're all part of that verse. And you're either a goer or a sender to be part of that verse. It's the only way it works. You're, you're part of that verse. They're going, you're sending. And if you don't get involved in this, you're not a sender, so therefore you're going to stand at a judgment and face that verse right there. Amen. In fact, you're going to face every verse in this book. But he says, and the sea gave up the dead, in verse 13, which was in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man. I believe that that indicates that in hell there's going to be degrees of punishment. If you're judged according to your works, why would you be judged according to your works? If you go to hell, you know what? If I was lost and I was determined I was going to stay lost, I'd be the best lost man that ever lived. Really? I might get a cooler place in hell. A few degrees could make a difference, you know. <laughs> Amen. And, and, and I, I honestly, I believe if I was not going to get saved and I wasn't saved, I'd just be the best family man there was. I'd be good to my children. I might even give a little to church. Huh? Because when they judge my works, then I might get a little bit of favor when it comes to the heat, but I'm still going to hell if, I, if I'm not saved by the grace of God. Greatest thing that ever happened to you was get saved because, hey, hey, let, me, let me say right there, you know why I got saved? I didn't get saved because I loved Jesus. I got saved because I, was, I wasn't scared. I was a good old mountain scared. You all know what scared is, don't you? Huh? You heard that down in Knoxville a few times, didn't you? You're scared. Halloween scares me to death. But, but I'm, I'm telling you, and anybody watch them old spooky movies, crazy as a loon, man. I never did like them things. I mean, uh-uh, not me. I, I mean, uh-uh. I don't like spooks and goblins. But, but hey, hey, let me tell you something. I, I'm telling you today, I got saved at 14 years old because I was scared I was going to hell. Really, that's why I got saved. And uh, thank God that a good, a good old holy scare never did hurt anybody. And, uh, of course, this new wave is don't, uh, don't mention hell, don't mention loss, don't mention uh, the fact that uh, that's negative. You don't do that. Well, hey, hey, the greatest day of my life was a negative day. 
when I got under conviction that I was going to go to hell, but all of a sudden I came and, and came to the altar and all, all of a sudden everything got positive. Isn't that wonderful? It's been positive ever since. You know, uh, so the song a while ago, Trust, the Trust song, my, my last verse since I've become in missions is trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And I tell everybody, preacher, I don't need anything but that first word anymore, trust. That first word takes care of it all, trust. Just live your life with trust. And hey, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I, thought I, I thought I had uh, a lot of faith when I was a pastor, but... Boy, when I became a missionary, I found out what faith really is. Amen. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. You've you got a guaranteed income, don't you? Huh? Yeah. You've got guaranteed insurance, don't you? You've got guaranteed life insurance, don't you? You've got a 401k as big as a mountain, right? <laughs> huh? No, it's trust. It's trust. Hey, and, and, and you know what he said? And he said, uh, I, I want you to skip down now. I've got to hurry. He says in verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's a sad commentary. Amen. That bothers me to think that anybody would be cast into the lake of fire. And you know what it makes me? It drives me. And, and let, me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me say something right here. Did you know that there are all kind of people right out there that are ready to get saved? Amen. They're ready. They don't know how, but they're ready. The Holy Ghost has already been dealing with them, and they're ready. That's the only ones you're going to lead to Jesus anyway. If the Holy Ghost isn't dealing with them or hadn't already dealt with them, you're not leading them to Jesus. Hey, you're just a messenger. And how, hey, how will you know which ones are ready without you say something to them? You run around with your mouth shut and you never find them. Hey, I was telling the preacher today, I was in England, brother. I preached several revivals over there. And, and the preacher I was with, I asked him one night, I said, do you have any outreach? And his church wouldn't grow, and he didn't grow, and he'd grow a little bit and go back and go a, bit, a little bit and go back. And, and uh, I said, do you have any outreach? And he said, we go door knocking. So we went out the next day, and I'm going to make this real fast. But I said, okay, let's see what you do. And he knocked on the door and invited him to church. And next door, boom, about that big, slam, boom. And uh, probably seven out of ten slammed. But he was just inviting them to church. And I said, uh, brother, let me, let me take some doors. I said, you know those brick walls over there with windows and doors? And that's all it is, just brick, a whole, whole long street with just brick wall and windows and doors. That's all it is. And apartment houses in, inside those, the wall. And I said, see this wall? And see those doors? And I said, you see those doors up that side? I said, there's somebody behind one of those doors waiting for us to come and tell them about Jesus. I said, I guarantee you, somebody is waiting. We went down this side. I knocked on doors, slammed doors, 
cussed a little bit. <laughs> Some of them heard, but wouldn't even acknowledge. We went down this side, and we went back up this side, and it was probably 30 doors. And I knocked on the door, and a young lady in about her mid-20s came to the door. And I, that's not my subject, so I got to hurry. I led her to Jesus right there. A lady jumped out. She came out behind the door, and as soon as she prayed, another lady was behind the door listening. And I said, would you go to heaven if you died? And she said, don't want to hear it. See, that one was ready, but this one wasn't. And this one that got saved, she jumped up and down and said, it works. It really works. It really, it really works. Amen. That doesn't get saved? No. She wasn't ready. This one was ready. And we left that door, and I said to the pastor, I said, I told you somebody was waiting for us. You just got to go find them. You just got to find them. And so, so listen, at the, judge, at the great white throne judgment, everybody you're looking in their face is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, this is the judgment of the lost, and it's also the judgment of those that come through the millennium and and and. Are, 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 are not lost. There's people in the millennium not saved as we are, as the bride of Christ. But they come through and they believe and they're saved. We'll say they're safe. But somebody, most of them, are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, so that's the, the, the great white throne judgment and basically the judgment of the lost. Now, let's go over to Romans, if you will. And we're going to see another judgment here. In Romans, get Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. And Romans chapter 10, uh, 14. Uh, I'll turn to those two places. Okay, I've heard so many people that are saved say, well, I'll never stand before the judgment. You know, when I was growing up, we were in a free Baptist church and, and they, they preached the great judgment bar of God, the goats will be on the, the left and the sheep on the right, and the goats will go to hell and the sheep will be saved. Now, that's the judgment of the nations. <laughs> that's not the judgment of any individual. And the judgment of the nation is determined, their judgment by the Lord Jesus Christ is to determine how they treated the nation of Israel. I'm afraid America's getting in trouble at the judgment of the nations. America's getting in trouble. We have an administration right now that is not backing Israel, not standing behind Israel, and we're treading on dangerous ground. But that, that's in Matthew 25, that's the judgment of the nations. Now, look here in verse 9 of Romans chapter 14. For to this end... Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou uh, set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. 
Now, I can take you over in the book of Philippians right now, and Paul is crying to you, every knee should bow. So every knee now during this church age when folks are getting saved should bow. But here he changes his tone and says every knee shall bow. Now I'd a whole lot rather should as shall. I'd a whole lot rather bow when I should bow as to bow when I shall bow. When he takes his rod and says bow, hey, I want to have already bowed. I want my sins already washed away. I want to know that I, I, I'm etern- I have eternal life already. And thank God we do. For he says, as it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to me. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 10. For we must all. Now who's he writing to? Say people. He's writing to the church at Corinth. Over there he's writing to the church at Rome. He's writing to say people. So if you're saved, it does not mean you're not going to be judged. He says, for you're not going to be judged according to whether you're going to hell or not. No. If you're saved, that judgment's already been made the day you got saved. See, Jesus took the judgment of sin at Calvary. When we accepted Christ as our Savior, we judged ourselves, and the judgment of ourselves in accepting Christ, the judgment of sin is past. Jesus took it upon himself, And when we accepted that, our judgment of where we're going to spend eternity was done at that moment. At the moment of salvation, the judgment of where you're going to spend eternity was done right there and cannot be changed. Boy, that's a blessing. It cannot be changed. When, hey... (laughs) When the supreme blood of Christ, when God's blood was shed on Calvary and that supreme sacrifice at Calvary was applied to my sins, the supreme sacrifice, God's blood, there's never a requirement for sacrifice. Did you know the only requirement for sacrifice in this New Testament church age under Pauline epistles is this? That in Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do you know why we, we call it an altar in the church and people come at, at invitation time and they bow and they get saved or they, they come and they, uh, they, they, they're saved and and, and they come and say, Lord, I present my body a living sacrifice. That's the only provision for an altar under New Testament grace. There's no altar for blood. That's already been done. That's right. 
your body a living sacrifice is the only altar that God provides for you once you're saved. We need no other sacrifices. We need no other altar. That's the only one. Is your body a living sacrifice? But he says here, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body. Whatever, uh, okay, you got saved. Whatever date you got saved. Brother Pete, what date did you get saved? 1896. <laughs> August 4th, 1996. All right? Everything, there's no record in heaven of any one thing that Pete did behind that. It's all under the blood. No act done in his body is going to be brought up at him at the judgment seat of Christ behind that date. Whatever date you got saved, behind that, it's, you're justified. And the best description is just as if I'd never sinned. It's all gone. It's wiped away. It's under the blood. Hey, he said neither height nor depth nor creature nor any other creature. Hey, nobody, not even me can get back there. Now, I can't up here. That's what's bad sometimes. We won't let it lay. But it's gone. It's gone. You know, in the Old Testament, it's, it's real good. It said, you know, that, that they're put in the bag. And Job said they put in the bag and cast behind God's back. Said there's in the depths of the sea, as far as the east is from the west. Well, that's real good stuff in the Old Testament. But I got something better than that. Mine's under the blood. It can't even be seen. Can't even be brought up again. It'll never be brought up against me. But from that moment, when you walked away, you're going to give an account for everything you've done in your body. Has nothing to do with heaven. Has nothing to do with hell. It's your works. He says, And everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now you say, When is that going to happen? Well, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. Book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and there's a description of this judgment seat of Christ right here. It takes place right here. Now he says in, in, in verse 11, now whether it be good or bad, we got to remember that real good. Make, make a note of that, good or bad. Your works are either good or your works are either bad. And everything you've done since the day you got saved is either good or bad. Now, the Bible describes very well how that it's good works. He says in verse 10, of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, he likens your works to building a building. A building has a foundation. We build buildings all over the, all over the world. We've built 50 buildings in Kenya. We've built um, 30 buildings in, in the Philippines. We've built 
40 buildings in Mexico, starting our churches. And they all have a foundation. We pour, we, we, the first thing we do is we dig footings. And in that footings, we put gravel in those countries here. We put rebar and we do all that stuff. And a, a building is only as strong as its footings. If it doesn't have strong, we got builders in this room. If it, if it isn't a strong footing, the building's going to shake. And if, I, mean, I mean, boy, the wind will blow it off or whatever. It's, it's bad building. But he, he tells us how that we can have good works at the judgment seat of Christ. He says, uh, Master Builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. You know, Paul said it in this way. He said, I planted, that's the foundation, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So, when, when, when you, here in America, we're doing, more, we're doing more watering than we are planting. When we go into these third world countries and, and uh, in England, he's going to be doing a lot of planting because this generation hasn't heard. And you're planting. And then normally when you do the planting, nothing happens. I mean, it's just a here and, and then the, the, the Holy Spirit begins to work on them. And it's very seldom that you ever lead anybody to Christ that you just plant. The Holy Ghost usually has to work. And then somebody else comes along and you water and then God gives the increase and they get saved. So when you're building this building or you're working for Christ, here in verse 11, he explains it very well. He says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ. So to get good works at the judgment seat of Christ, he said, you're going to have to lay the foundation who is the chief cornerstone, who is Jesus Christ. Your works, hey, if I'm building the works upon me, no rewards. If I'm building the works on anything else but Jesus Christ, no rewards. You see right there, that 90, as I said, I'm praying it go to 120. Hey, that right there, you give to that, somebody takes it, and they're building upon the foundation, and hey, that's good works for you. That's good works in giving for, hey, hey, you're not, you're, you're taking out of, of your pocket you're putting into this pocket, and that pocket is going and building churches and building missionaries and their opportunities to go witness and go tell others about Jesus. And you know what? That is good works. Anything you do for others is good. Whatever you do for yourself, bad. Bad. And you know, most people I watch in the ministry, preacher, and Pastors, they, they just really, really boast about what they've done. What they've done. Told the preacher today, there's nobody on earth. We've started 206 churches. We have built 100 buildings, five Bible colleges, 
we've got an 80-bed dorm in, in Kenya that's full. Graduated 54 men in Kenya just in August. 10,200 attendants that day that we had the graduation and the service. 2,139 got saved. And there's no person in this room knows better than Wendell Runyon that God did all of that. Amen. That Wendell Runyon really didn't have much to do with it. Really. I could tell you story after story in the pioneering of these countries. We go in and here, God lets me lead Francis DeLeva to the Lord right there in Kenya. Francis DeLeva started a number of churches in Kenya with our training and our help. God put him there. I didn't. I didn't even go search for him. He came to me. And I said, are you saved? He said, no. And I said, don't you want to be? And he said, that's what I came for. Did I do that? No. No. Last night, Jamie, I just told her about Jesus when we first went in. And she goes, well, I said, go away and you think on that while, while we're eating. And she come back and said, well, I guess you better tell me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes, well, she said, you're tonight saved. Thank God. Amen. Hey, 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 th did I do that? No. I'm just a voice in the wilderness. That's all I am. All of our works all of our pioneering works around the world. I don't have time tonight. Maybe, maybe tomorrow night I might tell you how God did all that. But you know what? You know what's a blessing? Boy, I serve a, a, I serve a generous God. You know what he does? He lets, hey, I go, okay, 20 years ago I started mission work. Been pastoring 20, uh, eight, uh, uh, 19 years. Started mission work Two years pastored and then resigned the church. But you know something? I started this mission work 20 years ago. And God has done everything. I didn't have sense enough to do anything. I still don't. I'm still trying to figure it out. And God will do all that and then let you get the credit for it. You know what? You know when people, you know what people says all around the country? That Community Baptist Temple over there, that, that, that brother Mark O'Donnell's done a real job there, hadn't he? Uh-uh. No, brother Mark O'Donnell's allowed himself to be used of God, and God's done it. Yes, Every one of you are saved because God did it. Hmm? Good old Southern language, God done it. Huh? Yeah, he, he, he done it. He sure did. I don't, I don't care. Hey, I, I don't care. We can communicate down south, by the way. Hmm? Only problem is if I say jeet yet, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But, 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 but God does it. God lays the foundation. God, God does the work. And, and you just go and take part in it. And then you've got good works at the judgment seat of Christ. And he said, I will reward you. And people are all the time saying, I just want to be there by the skin of my teeth, not me. I want everything I can get when I Amen. get there. I'm serious. You telling me, you telling me that you want nothing? Huh, huh, huh. You ladies like diamonds? <laughs> yes. You ladies like pearls? I go to the Philippines and over there it's very famous for South, South, South Sea pearls. And my wife will not ask me for anything, but she'll say, 
They sure got pretty pearls in there. <laughs> I go to Mexico, and down to Mexico, they got beautiful silver. My wife never asked for anything. She just says, got beautiful silver in Mexico. Go to Egypt, gold, man, all the gold's 18 carat, beautiful gold, pretty inexpensive. She'll say, they got pretty gold in there. Huh? Yeah. Ladies like it, don't they? They like things. She just thrills when I bring her back a bracelet from Egypt. And I didn't pay much for it, but it looks like, and if, I, she, if you bought it here, it'd be a bunch of money, but over there it's just real cheap. And we got connections everywhere we go. <laughs> I mean, we got people that own gold stores that's good connections, and they just, they just give us prices unbelievable. And I bring my wife back. She stays at home and holds down the home front. I think she deserves something. And I, she's, got, she's got pearls of all kinds from the Philippines. I ain't got much money in them. But you know what? I'm saying she loves them. Every lady in here likes pearls. Right? Every lady in here likes gold, right? Every lady in here likes silver, right? Huh? Any ladies hate silver? Any ladies hate gold? Huh? Any ladies hate precious stones? No, I want all I can get when I get there. Hey, he promised me he would reward me. And you know what? I'm not ashamed that I want it. See, he says here in verse 11 or 12, he says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. I got some helpers here. Gabriel and Michael are coming in right now. We're at the judgment seat of Christ. Gabriel and Michael are coming in. And they have rewards. Okay? I want to paint you a picture of the judgment seat of Christ. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. You know what? Gold only gets pure the more times you fire it. You can fire it seven times, and it's its purest state. Okay? Silver. You, you fire it seven times, it's at its purest state. You fire it, you bring the dross comes to the top, and they rake off the dross, and they do that seven times, and you have 100% pure silver. You do gold that way, and the dross comes to the top seven times. They rake the dross off each time, the, the waste, the bad stuff. They rake it off, and you have 100% pure gold. Now, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to be judged according to, to your works, not according to heaven or hell. I said, remember this. I'm trying to paint it clear as I can. Heaven or hell is determined and judged at the moment of salvation or the moment of rejection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every person that you witness to, you need to be a net drawer. And the way to draw the net 
is when you close out your witness, is say, you have the choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and go to heaven. Or you have the choice to reject Jesus Christ as your Savior and go to hell. What will you do? I don't try to talk anybody into anything. Man, when I first started witnessing, I, I had an answer for every, I was a vacuum cleaner salesman. And I could sell a vacuum cleaner to everybody I talked to. I, every rejection they had, man, I could answer it. I mean, I could give them an answer that just shook them out of their boots. And man, I could lead everybody to the Lord. Honest. I've been down that road. Huh? Yeah, a lot of us as young, you know, we just, uh, and, and soul winning marathons and all that stuff, you know. But I don't try to talk anybody into anything anymore. I just present the gospel. Amen. Say, you got a choice. You make the choice. And if they say, well, I, I and, and you'll very seldom ever have anybody say they reject him. Mm-mm. Man, they just won't say those words. I stood on the street one night with a young sailor boy for an hour and a half waiting for him to say he would reject or either take a step and walk away, and he wouldn't do either. Well, I don't reject him. Well, you accept him then. Oh, no, no, but I don't reject him. An hour and a half. And I said, well, if you won't accept him and you reject him, walk away. Uh-uh. Scares them to death, say they reject. But you know what? I don't try. If, if they say, well, I, 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 not right now, not right now, I'm not going to do it. I say, okay, I'll pray for you. You can talk them into it. Mm -hmm. Then the FBI can't find them two weeks later. Yes, sir. Because, hey, so many of them miss it. Hey, hey, listen. But you know, come on, men. Come on, father. Michael and Gabriel, we're at the judgment seat of Christ. Preacher, would you do me a favor? Would you come up and sit in this chair? This is Jesus Christ, the judge. Right here. Okay. Now, okay, this is Michael and Gabriel. They have the rewards. And I've got the books. And I'm going to search the books first. And your name is in the book of life if you're here. Because you're not at the judgment seat of Christ unless your name is in the book of life. And you know, people say, well, he said he had blot your name out of the book of life if you... And people say, well, that's losing your salvation. No, 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 no. You know what it looks like as you study the Bible? It looks like that when you get saved, your name is in the book. But that isn't the book that's blotted. That's the book of salvation forever. Now, first thing you're going to do when, uh, brother, brother Pete, let's start with you. Come up here. We're before the judgment seat of Christ. The whole crowd's going to be there, the whole body of Christ. Brother Pete comes up, and I look and see your name, Brother Pete. And then I'm going to look over here and I'm going to see your works. Because they're all recorded. Every one of them. Everything you've done since salvation is recorded. I see here 
on such and such a day back here in such and such a year, you led somebody to Jesus. You witnessed to them. They got saved. And I don't have any, any uh, uh, pearls. But over here, it said gold, silver, and precious stones. Is that right? We read that? The gold, silver, precious stones are your rewards. The precious stones are the people you lead to Jesus. So, brother, give me a precious, give, give, me, give, me, give me one of them red ones. There you go. So, I got rubies here. Right? Brother Pete, step up. You're going to, I'm going to reward you for leading those. Every one of these represents somebody you've led to Christ. Hmm. Huh? You like that? Yes, sir. You happy? Yes, sir. You thrilled? You got that joy, joy, joy down in your heart? That's rewards. That's what's going to happen to you for being a soul winner, for leading somebody to Jesus Christ. Hey, now, let's go a little further. All right? Gold. Give me, give me one of them uh, black ones, the purple ones. Okay? We couldn't find these. This is dollar store stuff. <laughs> Sorry about that. But th this is gold, all right? All right? Sister Sherry, come up here. Anytime gold is a type of deity in the Bible. And when you spend your life bragging on Jesus Christ as God, when you go to a Muslim who does not believe that, and you say Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, the difference in my God and your God is my God had a son named Jesus that came to the world and was crucified, bled and died for our sins. That's the difference in Muhammad. That's the difference in your Allah and my God. And when you do that, because you brag on him as deity, you're going to get gold at the judgment seat of Christ. You get me? If you never open your mouth, As we say down south, nary a thing. Now, okay, give me the silver one. Redemption. Silver throughout the Bible is redemption. And when I brag on Jesus Christ as Redeemer, Who's led a soul to the Lord in here in the last week? Anybody? Who's led a soul to the Lord in the last month? Anybody? Come here, brother. You know, when you led somebody to Jesus, you had to brag on him as Redeemer, or they would have never gotten saved. So you know what you're going to get at the judgment seat of Christ? You're going to get silver. This is the picture. This is what he says. If you build upon, hey, 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 let's look at it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at it again with me. I'm not, I'm not making this up. 
I'm getting it out of the Bible. He says, in verse 12, again, in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, the fire has already tried the silver, but the silver just got purer, so your, your reward has stayed with you. The precious stones, they just melt and shame said. They don't go away, so they stay. And, and the gold, it only gets purer. It don't go away when it's fired. So all your works are going to be tried by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. And what stands is that. Now, there's another kind of reward. Wood, hay, and stubble. All right? Come here, buddy. Come here, hit me. Stand right there. All right? Come here, brother. Now, he's done some works for Christ. He's gone out on soul winning. He's gone out and knocked on doors. But the only reason he did it was to please the preacher. He didn't do it to please Christ. So you know what you're going to get? A popsicle stick. Hmm? His motive's not right. He's not building upon Christ. He's not building upon that foundation. He's not doing things the way he should. His heart's not in the right place. So what's he going to get when he gets there? Is he going to get gold, silver, precious stones as these did? No. He's going to get wood. He's going to get wood. Okay. Let me get. Come here. Come here, brother. Come here. Come here. All right. Now, he's faithful to church. He's here every service. He's here every revival. He's on soul winning. He's, I mean, he don't miss nothing. But he's the biggest gossip in the house. He talks about everybody. He runs about down everybody. Everything is negative. Everything is bad. These people are bad. Come here, brother. We're going to give you a reward. You were faithful. Man, I mean, man, you were faithful. Look here. You know what I'm going to give you? Isn't that joyful? If you'd have shut your mouth, you might have got some of that right there. Hmm? Yeah. Sowing discord amongst the brethren. Oh, he does everything, man. I mean, he's here. He's, oh, Lord. People see him every Sunday getting ready to leave his house. And, man, that man's faithful to the church house. But he's the biggest gossip around. He ain't found nothing good about anybody in this church. What'd he get? No gold, silver, precious stones. 
We got some. Hey, isn't that exciting? Is this checking your heart out real good? Huh? Okay. Now, I'm even, I'm even going to give you a little wood. You talk so much. <laughs> Amen? Where, where's the wood man? Come up here. I'm going to give you a little hay, too. I'm going to give you a little hay, too. And you know what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to let you put it right there. Put it, put it down there. Come on, put yours down there, too. Light the fire. Whoop, 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 whoop. Don't get too close. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Don't, don't, don't get in there. Just, just, just light the fire. See that right there? That's going to be. Now, now let me ask you this. Burn it, burn it. If you stick that to that, what happens? It's going to be ashes. It's going to be nothing. All of the whole body of Christ is going to be watching. How do you think you're going to feel? You're going to wish you'd have shut your big mouth, aren't you? And you wish, where'd he go? <laughs> You're going to wish you'd done yours to satisfy the Lord instead of trying to satisfy the preacher, aren't you? You're going to watch that burn. You're going. Hey, most of us, to be truthful with, are going to have a bonfire there big enough to burn up Akron. We're going to have such a little bit left. But I want a little bit. I don't want mine to go up in ashes. And I stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Give me that crown. Now, there are five crowns in the Bible. Okay? There's five crowns in the Bible. One of them is the crown of rejoicing that Paul tells the church at Thessalonica. And he says, ye are our crown of rejoicing. That's a soul winner's crown. Come here, brother. Come on up here. This man has spent his life winning souls. He's won hundreds to Christ. And guess what? He's going to get a whopper. <laughs> He's going to get a crown of rejoicing at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, is that the end? No. I believe, I believe God's going to give them all that received rewards a big hand. Come on, help us. I believe, I believe the whole body is going to give them a big hand. Now, is, are, we, are we through? Nope. Jesus Christ, the judge. Why don't you take that crown? Where you at, brother? I want you to lay it at his feet. You've got nothing. Sister Sherry, lay it at his feet. Brother Pete, lay it at his feet.
his mother with me. Won't you lay something at his feet? What have you got? Burn up, did he? Come on, lay something at his feet. Burn up, didn't he? Got it? I want everything I can get. Amen. <laughs> so I can lay it at his feet. I don't want to be empty handed. I want something. I want everything. I want everything I can possibly get. See, it's not mine, it's his. He did it. And I just want everything I can get just to lay at his feet. To bring glory and honor to him. Not to me. Not to the kingdom. Thank y'all. You can sit down. Every man shall give an account of that which he's done in his body. What's your account? What are you going to give? What are you going to have to have to lay? Preacher, I'm going to turn it over to you. We'll make an invitation if a piano player will come. <laughs>